Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse with the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles. Whoops, it doesn't say that all typed out. It just says read A-C-I-M-O-E. Also, at the bottom of that drop-down, there's a tab where you can subscribe to have a daily excellent email sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society that includes the reading that we share every morning here uh, as well as the lessons today. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we start a new new chapter, Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil. We'll be reading Section 1, Introduction. And section two, right teaching and right learning. Stretching ourselves all the way through paragraph 23 today and also tomorrow, reading all the way through paragraphs five through 23, uh, just to keep teaching and learning uh, as one piece. So, by way of opening this morning, here we go. My holiness blesses the world. My Holiness Blesses the World, Lesson 37. Um, This poem from Rumi does it for me today. As regards holiness blessing the world, I am not that lion battling an enemy. Confronting myself keeps me busy enough. I am the soil, love seeds. Roses and lilies bloom from this mud. I ached from separation. I cloaked myself in night, emerged a shining moon. Consumed in love's fire, I slip through any opening. I rise like smoke. I am a child. Love is my teacher, waking me from ignorance. Like love... I will live on, radiant, eternal, when eating and sleeping are done. Till then, like the master musician, I quiet my mind and listen. I fast in silence. We hear, body becomes spirit. My holiness blesses the world. Amen. Oh, thank you for that. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lori. It spoke to my heart today. So, thank you, everyone. Here's our reading list. And I'm so happy uh, that we're all here together. I have Lemoyne, Fran, Jessica, Donna, Judy, Diana, Karen, and Lana, and Robin Marie is recovering from storms and has joined us this morning on her way to work. Anyone else care to announce what I've missed? No, nope, that's us. All right, so here we go. In Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil, I've subtitled this whole chapter The Authority Problem, <laughs> uh, just because. Anyway. Section 1, Introduction. The Bible says, The 
that you should go with a brother twice as far as he asks. It certainly does not suggest that you set him back on his journey. Devotion to a brother cannot set you back either. It can lead only to mutual progress. The result of genuine devotion is inspiration, a word which probably understood is the opposite of fatigue. To be fatigued is to be dispirited, but to be inspired is to be in the spirit. To be egocentric is to be dispirited, but to be capital self-centered in the right sense is to be inspired or in the soul. The truly inspired are enlightened and cannot abide in darkness. Uh, Chapter 4 The Brood of All Evil Introduction The Bible says that you should go with a brother twice as far as he asks. It certainly does not suggest that you set him back on his journey. Devotion to a brother cannot set you back either. It can lead only to mutual progress. The result of genuine devotion is inspiration. A word which properly understood is the opposite of fatigue. To be fatigued is to be dispirited. But to be inspired is to be in the spirit. To be egocentric is to be dispirited. But to be self-centered in the right sense is to be inspired or in the soul. The truly inspired are enlightened and cannot abide in darkness. You can speak from the soul or from the ego precisely as you choose. If you speak from the soul, you have chosen to be still and know that I am God. These words are inspired because they come from knowledge. If you speak from the ego, you are disclaiming knowledge instead of affirming it and are thus dispiriting yourself. Do not embark on foolish journeys because they are indeed in vain. The ego may desire them, but the soul cannot embark on them because it is forever unwilling to depart from its foundation. Thank you, LeMoyne. And Fran. Paragraph 2. You can speak from the soul or from the ego precisely as you choose. If you speak from the soul, you have chosen, quote, to be still and know that I am God, unquote. These words are inspired because they come from knowledge. If you speak from the ego, you are disclaiming knowledge instead of affirming it and are thus dispiriting yourself. Do not embark on foolish journeys because they are indeed in vain. The ego may desire them, but the soul cannot embark on them because it is forever unwilling to depart from its foundation. 3. The journey to the cross should be the last foolish journey for every mind. Do not dwell upon it, but dismiss it as accomplished. If you can accept it as your own last foolish journey, 
you are also free to join my resurrection. Human living has indeed been needlessly wasted in a repetition compulsion. It reenacts the separation, the loss of power, the foolish journey of the ego in an attempt at reparation. And finally, the crucifixion of the body or death. Thank you, Fran. Uh, Jessica. Uh, Paragraph three. The journey to the cross should be the last foolish journey for every mind. Do not dwell upon it, but dismiss it as accomplished. If you can accept it as your own last foolish journey, you are less free, I mean, sorry, you are also free to join my resurrection. Human living has indeed been needlessly wasted in a repetition compulsion. It reenacts the separation, the loss of power, the foolish journey of the ego in an attempt at reparation, and finally, the crucifixion of the body or death. Repetition compulsions can be endless unless they are given up by an act of will. Do not make the pathetic human error of, quote, clinging to the old rugged cross, unquote. The only message of the crucifixion was that we can overcome the cross. Unless you do so, you are free to crucify yourself as often as you choose. But this is not the gospel I intended to offer you. We have another journey to undertake, and if you will read these lessons carefully, they will help to prepare you to undertake it. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna, if you'd like to do that fourth paragraph and then roll right into section two, please. And you may be on mute, Donna. Yeah, sorry. Okay. The the repetition compulsions can be endlessly useless. Uh, Paragraph four. Repetition compulsions can be endless unless... They are given up by an act of will. Do not make the pathetic human error of clinging to the old rugged cross. The only message of the crucifixion was that we can overcome the cross. Unless you do so, you are free to crucify yourself as often as you choose. But this is not the gospel I intended to offer you. We have another journey to undertake, and if you will read these lessons carefully, they will help you, they will help to prepare you to undertake it. Chapter four, the root of all evil, section two, right teaching and right learning. Five, we have spoken of many different, we have spoken of, many different human symptoms 
and at this level, there is almost endless variation. There is, however, only one cause of all of them. The authority problem is, quote, the root of all evil, end quote. Money is but one of its many reflections and is a reasonable representative example of the kind of thinking which stems from it. The idea of buying and selling implies precisely the kind of exchange that the soul cannot understand at all because its supply is always abundant and all its demands are fully met. Thank you, Donna and Judy. Thank you. Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil, Section 2, Right Teaching and Right Learning. We have spoken of many different human symptoms, and at this level there is almost endless variation. There is, however, only one cause of all of them. The authority problem is the root of all evil. Money is but one of its many reflections and is a reasonably representative example of the kind of thinking which stems from it. The idea of buying and selling implies precisely the kind of exchange that the soul cannot understand at all because its supply is always abundant and all its demands are fully met. Every symptom which the ego has made involves a contradiction in terms. This is because the mind is split between the ego and the soul, so that whatever the ego makes is incomplete and contradictory. This untenable position is the result of the authority problem, which, because it accepts one inconceivable thought, as its premise, can only produce ideas which are inconceivable. The term, quote, profess, unquote, is used quite frequently in the Bible. To profess is to identify with an idea and offer the idea to others to be their own. The idea does not lessen, it becomes stronger. Thank you, Judy and Diana. Uh, number six. Every symptom, every symptom which the ego has made involves a contradiction in terms. This is because the mind is split between the ego and the soul so that whatever the ego makes is incomplete and contradictory. This intenable position is the result of the authority problem, which, because it accepts the one inconceivable thought as its premise, can only produce ideas 
which are inconceivable. The term profess, quote unquote, is used quite frequently in the Bible. To profess is to identify with an idea and offer the idea to others to be their own. The idea does not lessen, it becomes stronger. Number seven, a good teacher clarifies his own ideas and strengthens them by teaching them. Teacher and pupil are alike in the learning process. They are in the same order of learning, and unless they share their lessons, they will lack conviction. A good teacher must believe in his ideas, which he professes, but he must meet them. Um, Another condition. He must also believe in the students to whom he offers his ideas. Many stand guard over their ideas because they want to protect their thought system as they are, and learning means change. Change is always fearful to the separated ones because they cannot conceive of it as a change towards healing the separation. They always perceive it as a change towards further separation because the separation was their first experience of change. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And um, Karen. Seven. A good teacher clarifies his own ideas and strengthens them by teaching them. Teacher and pupil are alike in the learning process. They are in the same order of learning, and unless they share their lessons, they will lack conviction. A good teacher must believe in the ideas which he professes, but he must meet another condition. He must also believe in the students to whom he offers his ideas. Many stand guard over their ideas because they want to protect their thought systems as they are. And learning means change. Change is always fearful to the separated ones because they cannot conceive of it as a change toward, towards healing the separation. They always perceive it as a change towards further separation because the separation was their first experience of change. Eight, you believe that if you allow no change to enter into your ego, your soul will find peace. This profound confusion is possible only if one maintains the same thought system can stand on two foundations. Nothing can reach the soul from the ego, and nothing from the soul can strengthen the ego or reduce the conflict within it. The ego is a contradiction. Man's self and God's self are in opposition. They are opposed in creation, in will and in outcome. They are fundamentally irreconcilable 
because the soul cannot perceive and the ego cannot know. They are therefore not in communication and can never be in communication. Nevertheless, the ego can learn because its maker can be misguided but cannot make the totally lifeless out of the life given. The soul need not be taught, but the ego must. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Lana. Kate, you believe that if you allow no change to enter into your ego, your soul will find peace. This profound confusion is possible only if one maintains that the same thought system can stand on two foundations. Nothing can reach the soul from the ego, and nothing from the soul can strengthen the ego or reduce the conflict within it. The ego is a a contradiction. Man's self and God's self are in opposition. They are opposed in creation, in will, and in outcome. They are fundamentally irreconcilable because the soul cannot perceive and the ego cannot know. They are therefore not in communication and can never be in communication. Nevertheless, the ego can learn because its maker can be misguided but cannot make the totally lifeless out of the life given. The soul need not be taught, but the ego must. Nine, the ultimate reason why learning is perceived as frightening is because learning does lead to the relinquishment, in parentheses, not destruction, of the ego to the light of the soul. This is the change the ego must fear because it does not share my charity. My lesson was like yours, and because I learned it, I can teach it. I never attack your egos, but I do try to teach you how their thought systems arose. When I remind you of your true creation, your egos cannot but respond with fear. Thank you, Lana. Um, Is there a new reader? Uh, for paragraph 9 and 10. Uh, let's see. Okay, back to you, Lemoyne. The ultimate reason why learning is perceived as frightening is because learning does lead to the relinquishment not destruction, of the ego to the light of the soul. 
This is the change the ego must fear because it does not share my charity. My lesson was like yours, and because I learned it, I can teach it. I never attack your egos, but I do try to teach you how their thought systems arose. When I remind you of your true creation, your egos cannot but respond with fear. Teaching and learning are your greatest strengths now because you must change your mind and help others change theirs. It is pointless to refuse to tolerate change because you believe you can demonstrate that by doing so, the separation has not occurred. The dreamer who doubts the reality of his dream while he is still dreaming is not really healing the level split. You have dreamed of a separated ego, and you have believed in a world which rests upon it. This is very real to you. You cannot undo this by doing nothing and not changing. Thank you, Lemoyne. Uh, and Fran. Ten. <clears throat> Teaching and learning are your greatest strengths now because you must change your mind and help others change theirs. It is pointless to refuse to tolerate change because you believe you can demonstrate that by doing so, the separation has not occurred. The dreamer who doubts the reality of his dream while he is still dreaming is not really healing the level split. You have dreamed of a separated ego and you have believed in a world which rests upon it. This is very real to you. You cannot undo this by doing nothing and not changing. 11. If you are willing to renounce the role of guardians of your thought systems and open them to me, I will correct them very gently and lead you home. Every good teacher hopes to give his students so much of his own thinking they will one day no longer need him. This is the one real goal of the parent, teacher, and therapist. This goal will not be achieved by those who believe that they will lose their child or pupil or patient if they succeed. It is impossible to convince the ego of this because it goes against all of its own laws. But remember that laws are set up to protect the continuity of the system in which the lawmaker believes. Thank you, Fran. Uh, Jessica. Oh, I think Jessica had to step away. Um, Donna, are you able to read 11 No, and I'm 12? sorry. I'm sorry. I there was so are. busy trying to be in the right place that I forgot to unmute. Okay. Oh. If you are willing <laughs> Thank you, to renounce the role of guardian of your thought system and open them to me, I will correct them very gently and lead you home. Every good teacher hopes to give his students so much of his own thinking that they will one day no longer need him. This is the one real goal of the parent, teacher, and therapist. This goal will not be achieved by those who believe 
that they will love their child or pupil or patient if they succeed. It is impossible to convince the ego. in which the lawmaker believes. Twelve, it is natural enough for the ego to try to protect itself once you have made it, but it is not natural for you to want to obey its laws unless you believe in them. The ego cannot make this choice because of the nature of its origin. You can because of the nature of yours. Egos can clash in any situation, but souls cannot clash at all. If you perceive a teacher as merely a, quote, larger ego, <laughs> you will be afraid because, no, because to enlarge an ego is to increase separation anxiety. I will teach with you and live with you if you will think with me. But my goal will always be to absolve you finally from the need for a teacher. Thank you, Jessica. And uh, Donna. Twelve. It is natural enough for the ego to try to protect itself once you have made it. But it is not natural for you once to want to obey its laws unless you believe in them. The ego cannot make this choice because of the nature of its origin. You can because of the nature of yours. Ego can clash in any situ egos can clash in any situation, but souls cannot clash at all. If you perceive a teacher as merely a quote, larger ego, end quote, you will be afraid because you enlarge an ego, because to enlarge an ego is to increase separation anxiety. I will teach you and live with you if you will think with me, but my goal will always be to absolve you finally from the need for a teacher. 13. This is the opposite of the ego-oriented teacher's goal. He is concerned with the effect of his ego on other egos and therefore interprets their interaction as a means of ego preservation. I would not be able to devote myself to teaching if I believed this, and you will not be a devoted teacher as long as you maintain it. I am constantly being perceived as a teacher, either to be exalted or rejected. But I do not accept either perception for myself. Thank you, Donna. And uh, Judy. Thank you, Lori. This is the opposite of the ego-oriented teacher's goal. He is concerned with the effect of his ego 
on other egos and therefore interprets their interaction as a means of ego preservation. I would not be able to devote myself to teaching if I believed this, and you will not be a devoted teacher as long as you maintain it. I am constantly being perceived as a teacher, either to be exalted or rejected, but I do not accept either perception for myself. Your worth is not established by your teaching or your learning. Your worth was established by God. As long as you dispute this, everything you do will be fearful, particularly any situation which lends itself to, quote, superiority inferiority fallacy. Teachers must be patient and repeat their lessons until they are learned. I am willing to do this because I have no right to set your learning limits for you. Once again, nothing you do or think or wish or make is necessary to establish your worth. Once again, nothing you do or think or wish or make is necessary to establish your worth. Our worth is established by God. This point is not debatable, except in delusions. Your ego is never at stake because God did not create it, and your capital soul is never at stake because he did. Any confusion on this point is a delusion, and no form of devotion is possible as long as this delusion lasts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Judy. Okay, Diana, could you read 14 and 15, please? 14. Your worth is not established by your teaching or your learning. Your worth is established by God. As long as you dispute this, everything you do will be fearful, particularly any situation which lends itself to the, quote, superiority and inferiority, unquote, falsity. Teachers must be patient and repeat their lessons until they are learned. I am willing to do this because I have no right to set your learning limits for you. Once again, nothing you do or think or wish or make is necessary to establish your worth. This point is not debatable except in delusions. Your ego is never at the stake because God did not create it. Your soul is never at stake because he did. Any confusion on this point is a delusion and no form of devotion is possible as long as this delusion lasts. Number 15. The ego tries to exploit all situations 
unto forms of praise for itself in order to overcome its doubts. It will doubtful forever, or rather as long as you believe in it. You who made it cannot trust it because you know it is not real. The only sane solution is not to try to change reality. This is indeed a fearful attempt, but to see it as it is. You are part of reality, which stands unchanged beyond the reach of your ego, but within easily reach of your soul. When you are afraid, be still and know that God is real and you are his beloved son and daughters in whom he is well pleased. Do not let your ego dispute this because the ego cannot know what is as far beyond its reach as you are. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And let's see. Thank you. Uh, and Karen. Fifteen. The ego tries to exploit all situations into forms of praise for itself in order to overcome its doubts. It will be doubtful forever, or rather, as long as you believe in it. You who made it cannot trust it because you know it is not real. The only sane solution is not to try to change reality, which is indeed a fearful attempt, but to see it as it is. You are part of reality, which stands unchanged beyond the reach of your ego, but within easy reach of your soul. When you are afraid, be still and know that God is real. And you are his beloved son, in whom he is well pleased. Do not let your ego dispute this, because the ego cannot know what it is, what is as far beyond its reach as you are. 16. God is not the author of fear. You are. You have chosen, therefore, to create unlike him, and you have made fear for yourself. You are not at peace because you are not fulfilling your function. God gave you a very lofty responsibility which you are not meeting. You know this, and you are afraid. In fact, your egos have chosen to be afraid instead of meeting it. When you awaken, you will not be able to understand this because it is literally incredible. Do not believe the incredible now. Any attempt to increase its believability is merely to postpone the inevitable. Thank you, Karen. And Flanna. 16. God is not the author of fear. You are. You have chosen, therefore, 
to create unlike him, and you have made fear for yourselves. You are not at peace because you are not fulfilling your function. God gave you a very lofty responsibility which you are not needing. You know this and you are afraid. In fact, your egos have chosen to be afraid instead of meeting it. When you awaken, you will not be able to understand this because it is literally incredible. Do not believe the incredible now. Any attempt to increase its believability is merely to postpone the inevitable. 17. The word in quotes inevitable is fearful to the ego but joyous to the soul. God is inevitable and you cannot avoid him any more than he can avoid you. The ego is afraid of the soul's joy because once you have experienced it, you will withdraw all protection from the ego and become totally without the investment in fear. Your investment is great now because fear is a witness to the separation and your ego rejoices when you witness to it. Leave it behind. Do not listen to it and do not preserve it. Listen only to God who is capable, who is as incapable of deception as are the souls he created. Thank you, Lana. And let's see, has anyone joined us since we began? A new reader, perhaps, who would like to read paragraphs 17 and 18? This is Mindy. I'll see if I have it in a readable form if you're willing to wait for a moment. Sure. Good morning. And I might as well just take this time for just a second to share with you that it's my birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday. Thank you. Okay, what paragraph are we on? 17 and 18 in Chapter 4. Ah, okay. Reverend Reader just shared a tip with me to um, press something that will bring it up. Here we go. In a readable form at the very beginning, join mailing list and click here to view the entire lesson. Then it is readable. So I'm almost there. Thank you for waiting because it's an honor to read. Okay, one more time. What is the number? 17 and 18. Thank you. Okay, I am not finding it. (laughs) I'm I'm just scrolling all over the place. I will have to let someone else do it. Thank you. Okay, Mindy. It's your birthday. You let us read to you. Thank you. Um, Anyone else? Happy birthday, Mindy. Well, hi, Ida. Uh, Anyone else who's joined us would like to read paragraph 17 and 18? Alrighty, back to you, Lemoyne. 
The word, in quotes, inevitable, is fearful to the ego, but joyous to the soul. God is inevitable, and you cannot avoid him any more than he can avoid you. The ego is afraid of the soul's joy because once you have experienced it, you will withdraw all protection from the ego and become totally without the investment in fear. Your investment is great now because fear is a witness to the separation, and your ego rejoices when you witness to it. Leave it behind. Do not listen to it, and do not preserve it. Listen only to God, who is as incapable of deception as are the souls he created. Release yourselves and release others. Do not present a false and unworthy picture of yourself to others and do not accept such a picture of them yourself. The ego has built a shabby and unsheltering home for you because it cannot build otherwise. Do not try to make this impoverished house stand. Its weakness is your strength. Only God could make a home that is worthy of his creation. And you have, excuse me, let me try that again. <clears throat> Only God could make a home that is worthy of his creation, who have chosen to leave it empty by their own dispossession. Yet his home will stand forever and is ready for you when you choose to enter it. Of this you can be wholly certain. God is as incapable of creating the perishable as the ego is of making the eternal. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 18. Release yourselves and release others. Do not present a false and unworthy picture of yourself to others and do not accept such a picture of them yourselves. The ego has built a shabby and unsheltering home for you because it cannot build otherwise. Do not try to make this impoverished house stand. Its weakness is your strength. Only God could make a home that is worthy of his creations who have chosen to leave it empty by their dispossession. Yet his home will stand forever and is ready for you when you choose to enter it. Of this you can be wholly certain. God is as incapable of creating the perishable as the ego is of making the eternal. 19. <clears throat> of your egos you can do nothing to save yourselves or others, but of your souls you can do everything for the salvation of both. Humility is a lesson for the ego, not for the soul. The soul is beyond humility because it recognizes its radiance and gladly sheds its light everywhere. The meek shall inherit the earth because their egos are humble and this gives them better perception. The kingdom of heaven is the right of the soul 
whose beauty and dignity are far beyond doubt, beyond perception, and stand forever as the mark of the love of God for his creations, who are wholly worthy of him and only of him. Nothing else is sufficiently worthy to be a gift or creation of God himself. Thank you, Fran. Uh, Jessica. Okay. Um, 19. Of your egos, you can do nothing to save yourselves or others, but of your souls, you can do everything for the salvation of both. Humility is a lesson for the ego, not for the soul. The soul is beyond humility because it recognizes its radiance and gladly sheds its light everywhere. The meek shall inherit the earth because their egos are humble, and this gives them better perception. The kingdom of heaven is the right of the soul, whose beauty and dignity are far beyond doubt, beyond perception, and stand forever as the mark of the love of God for his creations, who are wholly worthy of him and only of him. Nothing else is sufficiently worthy to be a gift or a creation of God himself. 20. I will substitute for your ego if you wish, but never for your soul. A father can safely leave a child with an elder brother who has shown himself responsible, but this involves no confusion about the child's origin. The brother can protect the child's body and his ego, which are very closely related, but he does not confuse himself with the father because he does this although the child may. I may be entrusted with your body and your ego simply because this enables you not to be concerned with them and lets me teach you their unimportance. I could not understand their importance to you if I had not once been tempted to believe in them myself. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna. Twenty. I will substitute for your ego, if you wish, but never for your soul. A father can safely leave a child with an elder brother who has shown himself responsible but this involves no confusion about the child's origin. The brother can protect the child's body and his ego, which are very closely related, but he does not confuse himself with the father because he does this, although the child may. I can be entrusted with your body and your ego, simply because this enables you not to be concerned with them and lets me teach you their unimportance. I could, not under, I could not understand 
their importance to you if I had not once been tempted to believe in them myself. 21. Let us undertake to learn this lesson together so we can be free of them together. I need devoted teachers who share my aim of healing the mind. The soul is far beyond the need of your protection or mine. Remember this. 22? Or no. Remember this. In this world, you need not have tribulation because I have overcome the world. 23. This is why you should be of good cheer. Pass. Amen. Thank you, Donna, um, for holding that together. And Judy, then, if you'd like to do 21 through 23, please. Yes, thank you. Let us undertake to learn this lesson together so we can be free of them together. I need devoted teachers who share my aim of healing the mind. The soul is far beyond the need of your protection or mine. Remember this. In this world, you need not have tribulation because I have overcome the world. That is why you should be of good cheer. Amen. Amen. Oh, that was a long reading, but um, I'm so glad we held it together uh, as one piece and uh, that we have the opportunity to consider it in its entirety again tomorrow. So for now, uh, let's turn to Fran and let you lead us again, Fran, in our lesson today. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Laurie. That was great. I'm glad we read that. Uh, Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook, and today we are in Lesson 37, My Holiness Blesses the World. And I shall read this, and then we'll go and do our five-minute practice on the lesson. My Holiness Blesses the World. This idea contains the first glimmerings of your true function in the world, or why you are here. Your purpose is to see the world through your own holiness. Thus are you and the world blessed together. No one loses. Nothing is taken away from anyone. Everyone gains through your holy vision. It signifies the end of sacrifice because it offers everyone his full due. And he is entitled to everything because it is his birthright as the Son of God. Excuse me for a minute. There is no other way in which the idea of sacrifice can be removed from the world's thinking. Any other way of seeing will inevitably demand payment of someone or something. As a result, the perceiver will lose, nor will he have any idea why he is losing. Yet is his wholeness restored to his awareness through your vision. Your holiness blesses him by asking nothing of him. Those who see themselves as whole make no demands. Your holiness is the salvation of the world. 
It lets you teach the world that it is one with you, not by preaching to it, not by telling it anything, but merely by your quiet recognition that in your holiness are all things blessed along with you. Today's four longer exercise periods, each to involve three to five minutes of practice, begin with a repetition of the idea for today, followed by a minute or so of looking about you as you apply the idea to whatever you see. My holiness blesses this chair. My holiness blesses that window. My holiness blesses this body. Then close your eyes and apply the idea to any person who occurs to you, using his name and saying, My holiness blesses you, blank. You may continue the practice period with your eyes closed. You may open your eyes again and apply the idea for today to your outer world if you so desire. You may alternate between applying the idea to what you see around you and to those who are in your thoughts, or you may use any combination of these two phases of application which you prefer. The practice period should include with the repetition of the idea with your eyes closed and another following immediately with your eyes open. The shorter exercises consist of repeating the idea as often as you can. It is particularly helpful to apply it silently to anyone you meet using his name as you do so. It is essential to use the idea if anyone seems to cause an adverse reaction in you. Offer him the blessing of your holiness immediately that you may learn to keep it in your own awareness. Lesson 37, My Holiness Blesses the World. Five minutes.
Now I shall read the paragraph from the review of Lesson 37. My holiness blesses the world. The perception of my holiness does not bless me alone. Everyone and everything I see in this light shares in the joy it brings to me. There is nothing that is apart from this joy because there is nothing that does not share my holiness. As I recognize my holiness, so does the holiness of the world shine forth for everyone to see. Lesson 37, My Holiness Blesses the World. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Fran. Thank you, Fran. That was lovely. Thank, thank you so you, much, Fran. And really, thank you for uh, pursuing the idea of reading the whole lesson. What a blessing. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for your devotion, Fran. <laughs> oh, thank you. Amen. Thank you, Fran. <laughs> Good morning. It's Karen. I'm dying to share. Um, my holiness blesses the world. The first, the first part of this, which has been going on for two days, um, God is in my mind, so I am very holy. My holiness envelops everything I see. Um, I've been in extreme terror for the past, well, days and days, all last week. And um, in the middle of the night, I got up and meditated. And I just kept thinking, you know, yesterday's big takeaway for me, which I shared, was that when we believe in a falsehood, it doesn't make the thought system weak. It's strong. Belief in lies, belief in falsehood, belief in fear, the foundation of the ego's thought system can be very powerful, but it's still falsehood. It's still a lie. Um, so there I was in this fear, and I'm going to take you to, um, in the introduction in, in section one, human living has indeed been needlessly wasted in a repetition compulsion. It reenacts the separation, the loss of power, the, first, the foolish journey of the ego. Repetition compulsions can be endless unless they are given up by an act of will. So this terror, right, I'm feeling this terror and I'm thinking that the terror is about what's going on externally with someone else and, you know, I'm tuning into them and, you know, it's false empathy and that, that kind of thing. And suddenly my mind, it became very still. And I realized that the mind was just like um, pounding, you know, pounding, going into this repetition compulsion of terror and fear. And so I got, I got up and meditated, and I recognized that, that that's the ego's thought system. And it churns, and it churns, and it churns. And it makes it about the external reality. It's a projection. I mean, there may be truth there, and that's not what I'm even thinking about. 
but it was an underlying core belief system, the foundation of my child mind, which was fear and terror because I was, um, you know, sexually abused as a child. At age 11, I thought I was going to hell. My whole belief system was based on I'm going to hell. So at night I would lay in bed and think, I'm going to hell, I'm going to hell. I'm so frightened, I'm so terrified. And then there were other abuses going on and other things. And that fear thing was so real. And the Course says you have to look at the foundation and say, I don't believe this anymore. That's not true. That's not true. So that takes you to the place where who authored me? What is authorship? What is this question of authorship? All these things, these child mind made up at age 11, or the truth that the Course is teaching us that I am as God created me. I am still as God created me. I am an extension of the divine. My holiness blesses the world. So the Course is saying, you can dis- you can um, decide not to accept this and live in the terror and the, the compulsive repetitions of the fear, or you can accept the truth doesn't change the truth. The truth is true no matter what, whether you accept it or not. It says the authority problem is the root of all evil. So stop right there and say, who created me? Who, what is the authority problem? I, wasn't, I didn't create myself. God created me. Nothing can reach the soul from the ego, and nothing from the soul can strengthen the ego or reduce the conflict within it. The, soul, the ego and the soul are in opposition, fundamentally irreconcilable. The foundation of the whole ego is fear. I love this one section. The dreamer who doubts the reality of his dream, while he is still dreaming, is not really healing the level split. Um, there's so much I would love to go in on and on about, but I won't because I know other people want to share, but... Just one second on that one. The dreamer who doubts reality his dream while he's still dreaming is not really healing the level split. So trying to take all this in without going back and looking at the fear foundation of my ego thought system is like still dreaming. Be unconscious of where this, this fear foundation came from. And not undoing it or giving it over to the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness is giving it over to the light. To be undone. Undo the miscreation. Undo the falsehood. If I don't don't wake up, if I'm still dreaming and thinking that I'm, you know, it's a spiritual bypass. It's another way of of not really changing the, the, the problem. You know, I could sit here all day and night and for months and think, uh, you know, my my daughter is the Christ and, you know, I could tell myself the fear is hers. I could do all those things, but that's not waking up. Waking up is saying, oh, my ego mind is in a repetition compulsion of fear because it was programmed this way. It needs to be undone. It needs to be offered to the light. It needs to be known inside myself that this is not real. I have believed it because I was a child when I accepted it. 
But I know now it was a wrong belief. The foundation of the falsehood has to be seen and given over to God. Anyway, thank you all for letting me um, profess, profess, share this. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, Karen, I'm just so incredibly happy for you oh, right now. What an important discovery. Thank you very much. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. That was beautifully said, Karen. Thank you for your share. Um, thank you. You know, I want to, um, let's see, it was uh, it was a long time before I realized the really um, clear and um, precise difference between bringing truth to illusions and bringing illusions to truth. There is a very, very big difference, and you described it perfectly, Karen. Um, I can tell my mind, you know, fill in the blank over and over and over again and try to convince it of the truth of what I'm telling it. Or I can see where I'm holding on to an idea that's hurting me and let it go. Bringing illusion to truth is um, is, is um, what each lesson is designed to help me do, you know? And, um, and the outcome of those two very different ways uh, is real clear. By bringing illusions to truth, my mind finds itself in the thought system of truth. By bringing truth to illusion is like taking factoids and trying to apply them on my mind like a band-aid while my mind is convinced of something else, this illusion. And so um, you, you made a really clear discrimination between the two, the two gestures, the two movements, the two willingnesses, and uh, highlighted the outcome of uh, the latter. So thank you very much. I'm complete. Thank you, Lori, for such a beautiful response to what I shared. And I really believe that this is what the first half of the workbook is about, is um, the deconstruction of the ego thought system. And every year it just goes deeper. Thank you. Yeah, that's my experience. Thank you. Can I say one more thing? At the end of my meditation, it was like that uh, opening you shared yesterday. <laughs> if you remember, it was just beautiful bliss. It was so much love for God and so much gratitude. I'm complete. Oh, that's great. Great to hear. Thanks.
One more thing. I guess Robin Marie is probably gone by now, but um, my sister lives in the same place, and they have no power with my mom. <laughs> so uh, my holiness blesses the electricity in Fort Bragg. I'm complete. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she had a tree fall, but no damage done. She didn't go to work yesterday. Uh, no serious damage. So, yeah, it's better today, she reported. Well, I've been enjoying listening to this conversation. Thank you. <clears throat> Glad you're here, Ida. Did I see your hand up, Donna? Thank you. Yes. Um, I got my book, and so I've been catching up with starting with January. I read this book completely in 1985, and the one thing I remember out of it, Holy Spirit, correct my error. So I used that until I picked up the course again, and it works quite well. <clears throat> but how beautiful how beautiful this reading is for me and how beautiful is the understanding of what I'm reading becoming a reality to me. <clears throat> I don't think I understood until today that to in any way not uh, acknowledge the ego thought system and the world we live in is a very big mistake. So I don't think I realized that until this reading today. <clears throat> and then I began to realize the importance by, a, by one word, that I realized the importance of each and every son of God. In paragraph 59, um, on page 59, paragraph 16, I mean, uh, there is a sentence that goes, in fact, your egos. As soon as I saw that egos, I suddenly realized, oh, that's a lot of egos. And then the word collective. And then the word collective came to me. And, um, and then everything else that occurred from that point on, including the lesson, that began to set with me. And of course, I, I write these things out. And even so, I'm going to repeat something twice. But for my learning, this is so important, and I hope it blesses. Ego world is maintained by the collective ego belief system as each, uh, and as each soul diminishes or drops his belief in the ego thought system, he weakens it and begins its dissolving into the dream of what seemed to be but never was. This caught, thought came from um, that word egos in that paragraph. I got the idea of the power of the collective belief in egos by the collective sons of God misperceiving their selves 
and is little by little as each soul chooses to disavow that ego belief of self and so doing as each does the ego system collective weakens and begins to dissolve what I learned is I am holy and wholly capable I see I seen truth and quote spirit and truth I am complete and thank you oh thank you Donna that's uh, you are so right on with that thank you very much thank you hi guys I'm gonna, I'm gonna affirm the the truth of joyous happy joyous and free is God's will for me and um, you know my worth is not established by my teaching my learning anything I say think or do wish or make in this form that form perception of form is deception is is self-deception and I can choose to deceive myself and make myself afraid as long as I choose to and nobody's doing this to me except myself and you know it's like okay here's a wink and a nod to God in me and will I can I will I can I or won't I just give myself up totally to God and say, you know, <laughs> take this from me. I have no use for it because its sole purpose is to create conflict within me and between me and you, God. And I want to be one with my source. So this whole fear business, you know, fear and doubt, fear and doubt, um, fear and doubt. It's like fear does not exist. Fear does not exist. And if I invest by talking, thinking, or wishing, or making something up. What am I making my making or taking myself for? Am I making or taking myself for something that's invested in fear? You know, I mean, I, I, I can and have gone on in this endless compulsion for fixing Judy, but Judy is a dream. There's no, this is not a self-improvement program for Judy. <laughs> it's simply not what it's about for Judy. You know, this, this Judy is just something, you know, it's a pet. It's a pet. She's got her, her, her two-year-old temper tantrums, and, you know, she can have worries and self-concerns, but they're really meaningless. The early lessons have, have taught me this, this. You know, when I hold a thought for my personal self, I'm not thinking. I'm simply not thinking, and God wants to shake me, awake me. And so perceiving myself as a, a personal self is what being in the dream is about. So what, what concerns can I possibly have about Judy? I have no cares and concerns about Judy because I'm in the care of God, and I'm perfectly protected we're coming up on one of my most favorite prayers in, in the in the text in a couple of days. So I just, you know, so wholly identified with this. The ego cannot prevail against the united power of the kingdom of God. And it, it says in this reading in the text today that, you know, that the kingdom of God 
how God created me. I am the kingdom of God. The totality of the awareness of my holiness and everything, everything within it, everything is a part of me. And is it possible that the holiness, the quality of holiness that I hold in my heart and, and, and project or extend out onto others is totally encapsulated in everything I see? Everything I see, and is it possible that holiness is its re- capital reality? Is God created it? Is this po- a possibility in me for me to know this and experience this as my reality? Complete, healed, and whole. Holiness is whole. Holiness is wholeness. It's one and the same. It doesn't have any different parts. No separate parts. So, you know, this whole incredible now, that wow now, <laughs> thanks for reminding me of it, Karen, that wow now, everything is wonderfully wow now. Um, you know, letting go of everything Judy thinks is totally that my ego is in opposition. This has been a very powerful statement. It's in opposition to... Um, its its investments and its outcome are all in exactly the opposite. Listening only to God whose will is whose will is my perfect happiness. If I'm not perfectly happy and at peace I'm in my ego. You know, I mean talk about the shadow, talk about the clouding and obscuring of Judy's mind with thoughts about herself. This is what Judy does, and she makes herself miserable. And she's not in one mint, in alignment, in accord with the harmony of God's will for her. And this is, I am responsible for what I think. From every given holy instant to the next holy instant, the next holy instant. I'm so glad. We're doing lessons again and again, just having to repeat and undo what the world has taught us. It's, it's not a small undertaking, and, and considering that we're still living in it, you know, experiencing ourselves as living in it, it doesn't make it a, it makes it, the ego would have us think it's difficult and formidable, but it's really aligning and affirming myself in the truth that I am as God created me. I'm perfectly safe, perfectly protected. I had some really nasty stuff come up in my sleep last night. Woke me right up at 1 o'clock and stayed up until 3 o'clock talking about that wrestling with the lion. (laughs) I had another one of those wrestling with the angel in me, my ego wrestling with my angel in me. (laughs) Brother Jesus, help me. But, you know, the lesson from yesterday came quickly to me. Um... My holiness, it's, and it's like Lori said yesterday, my is God's. My, and God, my God's holiness and, God, and God's holiness is mine. It's one and the same source. It's not Judy's. Judy doesn't have anything to do with it. The ego Judy doesn't, can't connect with the, my soul. Judy's ego has to go. It's just 
relinquishing it. You know, it's functional in the world, but, you know, the idea of myself being somebody is, it's not a it's not a really big thing for Judy to give up because she's not really a big thing. <laughs> and being the baloney grinder and the misery, misery maker, it's easy. Easy peasy. And um, trusting, I love this part in the text that because I do this with, with J.C., my brother Jesus, I can be entrusted with your body and your ego simply because this enables me not to be concerned with them and lets him teach me their, of their unimportance, how unimportant and significant, significantly close to nothing Judy's ego and her body are and how I won't invest them with more importance than their worth. Amen. I'm complete. Have a joyful day, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Oh, I love, I love that paragraph twenty. Also, that reminder of I can be entrusted with your body and your ego simply because it lets me teach you their unimportance. Um, <laughs> oh, that's where that that, one took a that while. Um, giving Christ control, Christ control over what does not matter. My body and my yeah. ego don't really matter. And then I ask for directions in, 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 in his guiding my will to thing, things that do matter, which don't have anything to do with duty, which are all um, of being service to the soul. So the simplicity of this is elegant. Thank you. I'm complete. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Hi, this is Diana. And I think the whole reason I'm here with the Course in Miracles is to retrain my mind from what I thought um, to be the right way, you know, which didn't bring me a lot of joy or happiness. And, you know, there was a lot of dispirited feelings that I had, you know, with fatigue and, uh, you know, um, and that's not God. You know, and that's how God in any form. And part of me had to really go through a trust period to give up what I learned was almost, um, you know, in itself a betrayal. You know, this was this has this had so much in it that I almost think. We needed to take two days with just breaking it down, you know, because it opens it up to so much. Um, it, you know, when they were saying we have to overcome, we can overcome the cross, it's what I'm referring to, you know. Um, the soul, it says on the next page and in number eight on page 57, the soul cannot perceive and the ego cannot know. You know, the soul doesn't know any of this, any of this, you know, because it didn't make it. And the ego depends on it for, you know, so it could stay here and, and be part of what we created. And, um, you know, as a protection, I guess. But 
God is not the author of fear. We are. I am. I'm the one that's chosen to uh, create unlike him. And when I can release that and trust that there's a better way and this isn't what the intention of the soul is all about, it's, it's the undoing and coming back with new thinking to trust in God and what he really has in store for me, which is love. You know, and it's true. Anytime there's an imbalance to my peace, I have chosen wrong. I've got to undo and, and um, you know, and rethink this, not with ego, but with Christ's mind. And I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. That was just excellent. Undo with Christ's mind. Yep. Very clear. Thank you. You know, um, this story, and um, why well, I love I love this lesson today. Um, it's a really excellent lesson to just let your mind be bathed in all day long. My holiness blesses. It's. It, it is uh, very true that blessing is the opposite of sacrifice. Part of training my mind, retraining my mind, is retraining it to the idea that sacrifice is an ego story, um, right along with victimization and and a lot of other ego stories. Um, and, and it's the belief that... Um, that that gain must be paid for that um, to establish my worth that must be paid for that everything must be paid for it's very deeply held ego belief uh, he says the soul doesn't know anything about a transaction like that in its abundance um, and in order to experience that abundance he wants me to realize uh, that there's a thing I can do. And the thing I can do to experience that abundance is very simple. Just bless. And, and when I bless, I have a direct, instant experience of something larger in myself, something abundant, something um, that flows, you know? And, um, and that is the nature of of holiness, wholeness, the atonement, it's all whole based on uh, the truth and the thought system of love. And anytime I can let myself have a direct experience of that, um, I am learning something very directly about what I want and what I don't want. And so, uh, my holiness blesses. I don't want any part of sacrifice or having to pay for anything in the kingdom. Nor do I want anyone else to feel like they have to pay for anything in the kingdom. Our worth is established by God. It's unequivocal. It can't be altered or changed in any way. We who are hosts to God um, are complete and whole and abundant and um, 
and my holiness blesses is a direct experience of that um, it, it's a beautiful lesson and uh, I hope you all enjoy it as much as I will today um, and the other thing I wanted to say about this section I'll be brief because we're getting close to the time here but um, I really um, and as for being at the beginning of the book and talking about teaching and learning and listening to God the voice our worth unequivocal um, teaching and learning um, all of these things every paragraph here between 5 and 23 speaks to me of an intimate relationship with my Savior with my Lord with Christ he wants to teach me he wants to talk to me he wants to have a dialogue with me he wants to be in communication with me. he wants me to know him he wants me to know myself he wants me to know creation he's already learned all these lessons um, he's inviting me to experience new life in resurrection is inviting me to a different pathway um, in, in my uh, embrace of this section right teaching right learning it's to me um, going out to coffee <laughs> and and talking with the perfect therapist who knows me better than I know myself who can describe for me the pitfalls on my journey and help me avoid um, complicating uh, my experience through those pitfalls who can show me um, teach me uh, how to think how to think um, is I forget which paragraph it is if you there it is right there are 12 I will teach with you I will live with you if you will think with me if you will think with me make this choice make this choice you can because of your origin the ego can't because it doesn't understand it's an invitation to walk out of that life just walk out of that life not by destruction not by condemnation not by scolding simply by realizing um, that it's a false belief system uh, that has warped the way I see there's so much in here that I want to highlight and, and that's why I'm glad we have this section for two days um, but I especially uh, feel strong today about paragraph 19 well, follows on 18 18 tells me that the ego has made a shabby unsheltering home for me I have no need to protect it defend it um, even believe in it um, if I will have this relationship with him isn't that just beautiful I will have this relationship with Christ I have no need for that other life he'll teach me who I am he'll teach with me so that I can learn myself who I am 
there's no way uh, otherwise to learn who I am but to teach who I am, you know? Uh, he says the soul has and is everything. But the shabby and unsheltering ego home has blinded me to that. And so I need to relearn what I am. best way to relearn is to write-teach. Write-teach is to write-learn. And all I can ever really teach, and he invites us into this, don't, don't present that shabby and unworthy picture of yourself that Ego is just an image that you made of yourself. But teaching and learning is teaching who I am and who you are to me. And that's why right teaching and right learning is our great need. It establishes this relationship with Christ who teaches me who I am and who he is to me so that I can teach who I am and who you are to me. This, um, this giving and receiving relationship uh, will allow me to learn about the capital S self that we all share. There's no other way to learn that. And so um, this section is setting up that relationship. Um, that the, the critical relationship that will lead me out of this nightmare, and um, and finally, I just want to give a plug for I don't know. <laughs> in paragraph nineteen, he says, um, because their egos are humble, that gives them better perception, and um, and when I learned to say I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I I will have better perception because Holy Spirit will fill it in for me. And um, anyway, uh, I I rejoice in this relationship that we have with our teacher in this book, with him in our hearts, with each other because of who he makes us to each other, and. Um, and learning how to represent the truth of who we are to each other teaches us right teaching leads to right learning, teaches my mind who I truly am. Anyway, thank you everyone and um, for bearing with such a long reading. I'll leave it until the morning how you want to do it tomorrow, my dear, but um, uh, hopefully we have have a piece that will be very rich tomorrow and complete. Thank you so much, Lori. Yes, thank you, Lori. And I want to say, Lori, don't doubt, no matter how long you talk, you send out a lot of truth and a lot of light, and I receive it, and I thank you for your time and energy and love. I am complete. And I agree. Thank you, Lori. Yeah. Isn't that just Thank what you. we do for each other? Yeah, that's it's what we do for each other, my friends. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank us. Thank, you. Thank us. Oh. I'm sorry, I didn't catch. 
I was just saying thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, of course. Thank you for saving this space, being so devoted to it and dedicated to it. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Lemoyne. Um, you know, the the course is just unfolding. Um, I I would just say I wrote to my spiritual teacher um, who I was with in the beginning and who taught me mostly how to be a human. Um, I would, you know, because I wasn't raised by anybody before. And I wrote to him about my daughter, and he told me uh, to put her in God's hands. And I was really struggling because that ego repetition compulsion to try to fix it was so powerful. And the guilt, oh, my God, the guilt, you know, that she's suffering like she is because I was bad mother, blah, blah, blah. And it's real. If I hadn't, if I hadn't just put it in God's hands and stepped back, I wouldn't have hit where I was last night. You know, I wouldn't have been able to see the core issues. You know, because I was so mesmerized by the projection, I couldn't see what was just happening within me. It's almost like it's happening within me and has nothing to do with what's happening out there. You know, like how I how I respond to it, how I interpret it, how I perceive it. That's all in my, my crazy mind, the insanity. Um, anyway, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, some, some days I'm still stuck in the mess and I can't even make sense of anything, so whatever I say or how I react. I, I thank you all for um, forgiving me for whatever acting out I do because... It seems to be unwinding, but it's a process, and I can't make it go any faster. But I am so grateful to be in this um, community, and I'm so grateful for the course. At different times, I felt like I shouldn't be doing the course because I've been with Amma, and I should give my love and all myself and everything over to Amma or to my other teacher, and, and my heart just keeps saying no. I know the Course in Miracles is my medicine. It's my medicine. It's healing my mind. It's really healing the places that I just couldn't convince myself that I wasn't guilty or that I, you know, the fear was an illusion. I couldn't convince myself. Anyway, thank you for letting me hear all that. I'm complete. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen, and I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Karen. Me too, Karen. Thank you. Your shares are beautiful. You know, I have. Um, I grew up in a in a in a household that um, had real episodic um, violent and abusive behavior from an alcoholic father, and you know, I, my sister and I recapitulate that she's she hasn't just started going through some deeply embedded childhood fears and although I've I've gone through a lot of them and and significantly forgiven my father in in a way that I no longer hold any anger um this the childhood fears are still there and in um really subtle and unconscious ways and I'm really grateful that um we have this space to to share, and I really honor and appreciate and respect other people 
sharing so openly, um, genuinely, and sincerely their feelings um, with courage. It takes great courage to um, to face these things. But I, I'm after um, you know sitting with fear and sitting with my anger and holding it, embracing it, um, recognizing that it took me a level of spiritual maturity to be able to do it. And um, what my sponsors told me 20-some years ago about holding and embracing my fears (laughs) and my anger, it was like, okay, yeah, sure, but um, they're unfolding now in a way that um, is, is just, so much more relaxing and um, non-threatening and and holy feel like holy feeling experiencing the true release from them and that DOR and um, DOI our declaration of independence and our declaration of release is something I've been you know it's been on my billboard in my mind I just keep practicing this stuff and you know, when we're ready, a little bit more comes up. And um, like I said, I had a fitful night last night, but I just, <laughs> I laid flat out naked in the bed, and I said, just come come take me, have at it, you know, bring it on. And, um, you know, it wasn't like I even fought it anymore. I just welcomed it and said, I'm not afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. I don't know. Thank you, Lori occurred to me, you know, I don't know why this has got to come up again. You think we're done with it, but, you know, it, obviously not, or it wouldn't still be coming up. So to that tenderheartedness and, and gentleness that comes from my uniting with Christ consciousness, my brother Christ, Jesus Christ, and and his is the way to my father, to knowing my wholeness and my completion as one. So I'm all, I'm all together now. All together now. I'm complete. Thanks. Thanks, Judy. Lemoyne, uh, I know you have a lot to say about this um, section. Talked about it yesterday, and I loved hearing from you. Is it unfair to call you out? Yeah, we didn't really talk about the section. <laughs> and this may, this, this is what I want to bring, which I was guided to. Uh, I think it definitely relates to the section. And, uh, you know, the reversal of our thinking, you know, this exchange of the thought system if you will. And, uh, you know, what it, it, like, points at what this thing about correcting from the bottom up. So, let me just, let me just read it. It's um, from uh, Chapter 28, The Undoing of Fear. <clears throat> Section 3, Reversing Effect and Cause, Towards the End. Uh, where he explains the separation in 23, and I'll just start near the end of that. It is the vengeance on the body which appears to prove 
the dreamer could not be the maker of the dream. Effect and cause are first split off and then reversed so that effect becomes a cause, the cause effect. This is the separation's final step with which salvation, which proceeds to go the other way, begins. This final step is an effect of what has gone before appearing as a cause. The miracle is the first step in giving back to cause the function of causation, not effect. For this confusion has produced the dream, and while it lasts, will awakening be feared, nor will the call to awakening be heard because it seems to be the call to fear. Um, hmm. Yeah, so to, let's read the topic sentences. 25, like every lesson which the Holy Spirit requests you learn, the miracle is clear. 26, the miracle returns the cause of fear to you who made it, but it also shows that having no effects, it is not cause because the function of causation is to have effects. And further in 26, the miracle is useless if you learn but that the body can be healed, for this is not the lesson it was sent to teach. The lesson is the mind was sick that thought the body could be sick. Projecting out its guilt caused nothing and had no effect. This world is full of miracles. They stand in shining silence next to every dream of pain and suffering, of sin and guilt. They are the dream's alternative, the choice to be the dreamer, rather than deny the active role in making up the dream. They are the glad effects of taking back the consequence of sickness, taking the consequence of sickness back to its cause. The body is released because the mind acknowledges, this is not done to me, but I am doing this. And thus, the mind is free to make another choice instead. Beginning here, salvation will proceed to change the course of every step, every step in the descent to separation. Until all the steps have been retraced, the latter gone, and all the dreaming of the world undone. This is the way that <laughs> uh, holiness blesses the world by withdrawing his back asswards view of cause and effect. <clears throat> Accepting our role as cause, not as blame for the dream, but just to to wake up and recognize, you know, this is not being done to us or to me, but I am doing 
and then real change is possible. <clears throat> and, you know, the fear, the fear may not immediately disappear until it's actually stepped through as cause. But then you can, then you begin, can begin to see that the dream is is a dream of separation and judgment, and the reality is that the world is full of miracles. Anyway, I'm thinking. Keep Thank going. you, Lemoyne. Keep going. <laughs> I, th- I think I heard you say complete. <laughs> yep. Thank you very much. You'll be, um, <laughs> I'll tell you in the after call. That, that was just too cool and too perfect for words. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it calls back to, yes. I think it's yesterday, where it says, you are the miracle. <laughs> yes. Yes. Recognize the no, miracle that you are. Amen. Yeah. Well, um, I, I'd like to um, share something about holiness uh, to end our recording this morning. Um, and so I just ask Elle to join with me in this little tiny meditation. To this transparent light, clearness itself, omnipresent as space. To this, the host of all that appears. To this, the non-locatable, spontaneous here and now. To this, it is identical with the openness of all those who whether known or unknown, have recognized its simple presence. To this, our vibrant home, never created, so never able to cease. To this unseen light, the most familiar presence of now, indistinguishable from the bones in our face and the tongue in our mouth, indistinguishable from our most intimate thoughts and feelings, yet beyond all limitation to this infinite kindness that allows everything to appear. We bow down. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Um, been a very, very beautiful call this morning. I'll end the